0: Hello and welcome to the Brick Cave Podcast. My name is Sharon Skinner. I'm the author of The Exile's Gift from Brick Cave
1: Books. And I'm Bruce Davis, author of Gold Magic, also from Brick Cave Books. The Brick Cave Podcast is brought to you by the BC Book Club, Brick Cave Media's community portal for readers who love Brick Cave books and authors. You can join today and be part of the Brick Cave story at bcbookclub.com. Thanks
0: for saying that so well, Bruce.
1: We know you have trouble with that, Sharon. <laughs> well,
0: we're not going to talk about that right now. Let's talk about something else.
1: Let's- I have a suggestion here from my illustrious publisher that we look at adapting Dune yet again. Um, well, I because gotta, I'm
0: sure you have thoughts about this. Well,
1: i got to be up front. I am a huge Dune nerd. So... I have read Herbert's book at least four times, maybe and, six.
0: And it, I think six is about how many attempts it took before I could read it. See, I and then I got through it, and, and and then I read all three of them, like the the first three. And I know there are more than that, but I read those three key books, and but it did. It took me like four or five tries, really. To I was like, oh, this is dense. Yeah, but um, but it was good. I when I I
1: read. I, I the first time I think the year it won uh, the Hugo so I was not that old at that time and was blown away and I read it again in college and I've read it again within the last year or two I've listened to an audiobook version, two separate audiobook versions of it at least twice each I've seen David Lynch's beautiful but misguided interpretation, um, probably half a dozen times. We can talk about that because I think the first half of that movie is absolutely brilliant and the rest of it is a total mess. He needed to make it a six-hour movie, not right. a two-and-a-half-hour well, movie. that's
0: part of the problem. He didn't have the time. Um,
1: I've seen the sci-fi pod—not uh, podcast um, series at least twice and episodes more times than that, which I thought was a much better effort— much more true to the spirit of the book. Um, I liked what they did with Inralan and um, with um, Shani because they made them into real characters. I had some exceptions with some of the acting, which I thought was very wooden. Some of the special effects, which I thought were totally cheesy. That's what you have to do with television. Um, but overall, if you're looking at... The story a much better effort than David Lynch, so I'd be fascinated to see what this current version turns out to be. And I will, I will watch it, whatever it is.
0: Well, so I've got to ask because I'm I'm not that deep into Dune. Yeah, clearly, um, I did see the Lynch
1: mm-hmm. version,
0: and you're right; they didn't have enough time to really do it justice. I thought they did okay considering as huge and vast as that world really is, I think they did a a good job. But um, i got to ask, so is this this yet-again remake that's coming out, is this a a feature-length? What are we we doing? As
1: I understand it, it's a feature-length movie, but I don't know. I really have not looked – I've been a bit busy in my day job of late and have not really had a chance to dive deep into – even, you know, who's going to be in it and how they're going to do it. My assumption from what I've read is that this is going to be an attempt at a feature length movie, not a series or, or a, you know, extended epic. Now, I could see them doing what Jackson did with Lord of the Rings and breaking it into three separate movies. And I think that actually would be advisable given the subject material. And there are, if you, look, if you read the book, there are some natural breakpoints where you could do that very nicely um, and, and make three fairly complete movies that people would be interested in seeing. Uh, I'd like to see him do it that way, quite frankly, because that's the way I think you do this book justice. Now, there are a lot of people who will read that book. I, I know of a number of them, friends of mine who read it and think it's just complete garbage. Um, Some of them are, I want to say, ecological scientists who just find the whole premise to be outrageous and stupid. Um, Hmm. My son is one of those people, but we won't go into that. Um, What fascinates me and, and what I thought Lynch did so well in the very beginning of his version of Dune was to capture this kind of very ancient and basically decadent society. Everything is over ornamented and, you know, plush and just, you know, so many layers of complexity, many of which are unnecessary. But that's part of that society, and that's what that's what he was able to capture in a very short period of time. It's what I really applauded about. As I was always, first started watching, was, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. And then they got to the attack on the um, you know, House Atreides on Arrakis, and it all fell apart. It just well, went to hell at that point. But-, <laughs>
0: well, but again, you know, Herbert, I mean, it's so layered and so deep and so complex. And I think that, and, and that's why the front end is, is so dense. It's, it has to be because he's building that world. So that world building, uh, and I just didn't have the patience for it because it was so complex. At the time uh, that I was reading, I was much younger uh, the first time. The first attempt, the second attempt, the third attempt. Uh, I think I was in my 20s when I finally was able to sit with it and read it. Let me ask
1: you this, Sharon. When did you first read Lord of the Rings? See,
0: it's interesting because... Again, I was much younger when I read Lord of the Rings. I was in 5th grade when I read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and I couldn't get enough of it. And again, lots of world building, lots of dense, but but not but it wasn't as complex in the same way. So for me the again, too, fantasy versus science fiction. So I was a big uh, Heinlein fan at the time, uh, Asimov. I read a lot of Asimov when I was a teenager. Uh, a lot of science fiction of that sort, but nothing as dense as, as Herbert. And um, But with my fantasy, I could go deep. I could go really deep. So I, I think that a lot of it's flavor, right?
1: I, I think it kind of depends on, on where your bend is. Yeah. Because while I so I would I think I was in eighth grade, when I read Lord of the Rings. And I found huge swaths of it to be, this is really dull. Let's get to some fighting, guys, (laughs) you know? Um, But I got through it because um, there was... I got through it, I think, in a large part because of the world building itself. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of became a thing, whereas the characters in the story kind of drifted off to the wayside, but it's like, oh, gee, they're talking about all this really weird stuff, and how is he going to put all this together? And, boy, this is a really old world with all kinds of things that happened. Um,
0: well, I don't think that I could have read The Silmarillion then.
1: No, I can't read it now. But <laughs> okay,
0: <that's laughs> and- and I'm a fan of the Silmarillion okay now and or I was late you know I, I hit that when I was in my uh, probably in my twenties or thirties I don't know anyway at some point um I was and and I have a number of the Tolkien texts that I've read but i I at the time yeah I think it was oh yeah, this is a great society there was the language, but I think it was the beauty beauty of the world too for me that captured me uh there was a lot of that and I think that um. I think that The, um, the Hobbit, because, because I read that first, kind of sucked me into it. And, and then when I was in fifth grade, um, after I'd read them, or so we, we made a movie. We made a movie after, after I read the, the series. And we made a movie, The Hobbit. And I got to play Gandalf. And I was really bummed because they wouldn't let me wear a beard
1: Oh dear. I know. How can you right? be Gandalf without a beard? All
0: of the all of the dwarves got to wear beards. Didn't matter what gender they were, but I wasn't allowed to wear a beard. I got to wear a funky hat, but not a beard. So I was kinda of bummed about that, but
1: eh. <laughs> I didn't have that kind of uh group of friends.
0: Well, it was my teacher. So my oh, teacher okay. um, decided we were going to make a movie of The Hobbit. She it was it was pretty amazing for the time that it was. Her son did all the uh videography did all the camera work we did a location shoot we did some location shoots i had a friend who she had she lived out uh in the hills and she had a horse so we got to ride a horse as part of it i, I got to get on the horse and begin to elf you know riding. Shadow
1: <laughs> it was pretty
0: awesome and we used the same horse for everything of course because she yes, only had one, had one horse, horse. <laughs> but um but you know we had so much fun making that movie and i uh, you know, I really wish that somewhere there there was an archive of that, but um, it was made like on a home movie camera. Yeah, on, so, so, shot on Super
1: 8. And, right. Uh, so know.
0: goodness knows whatever yeah. happened to it. And we had to dub it, which was great because we had, it was terrible how we did a horrible job. I mean, really for, you know, we were fifth graders. We did a really good job for fifth graders, right? But it was such a huge undertaking and we had so much fun doing it i mean she was an amazing teacher so i've had some really fabulous teachers and maybe that was sixth grade fifth grade sixth grade she might have been my sixth grade teacher but anyway um yeah that's pretty amazing mm.
1: that is a neat story yeah. i
0: like that yeah. i'd kind of forgot about that so um
1: <clears throat> so is read first or see first doesn't matter I'm sorry? Oh, nothing. Just a question Bob posed about Dune, but we'll move on from that. Oh, here, yeah. Since we've so, pretty well beaten you that, pretty, horse we to went death. pretty,
0: pretty. ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah. All right. So, uh, by the way, Bruce and I are interested in what you're writing. Uh, please visit brickcavepodcast.com and send us the first page of what you're writing and we'll read it on air and discuss it. It's easy to do right online and you could have your work featured right here on the podcast and what we'll do is we'll give a knee-jerk reaction to that first page of would we keep reading? Is is this engaging? Is this interesting? You know, am I intrigued? And so uh, we are here to to read your first pages. So send them in and let us have an opportunity to
1: do that. Sounds like fun. So, craft discussion. thought we'd talk about what it takes to build good suspense in your writing. Hmm. Um, so, what is suspense?
0: Yeah, so it well, you know, suspense in writing is dependent on the genre to some extent. Uh, How you approach it and how, uh, you know, how edge of the chair it really is. I mean, suspense in writing can be as little as putting a question, as easy as putting a question in the reader's mind early on and letting it hang there. And not necessarily answering it, but teasing at it throughout the work. So um yeah, you know, who done it? Of course, the big question is who done it, right? And so the suspense right. is is that in a thriller it's is the is he going to escape this time or, you know, will the world end or, you know, in the big big things like that. But the but suspense is actually, you know, can be very subtle. It can be so you can go as deep or and, and and hard at it or as as subtle as you want. But I think it's one of the things that keeps a reader reading tugs them along it's that question that you plant even if it's a new question that you plant when you answer the other questions as you go along
1: right um, I tend to veer a lot into crime fiction just in my general reading um, and the writers that have most intrigued me with suspenseful things are not what what <laughs> what Many people would think. Um, I think who's really, really good at subtle suspense uh, is Elmore Leonard. Simply by introducing a, a character who doesn't seem to have anything at all to do with the situation. But he keeps popping up. It's like, why is this guy here?
0: So not exactly like The Smoking Man, but kind of like The Smoking Man? Kind of
1: like man. that, yeah. And, and, and in a couple of his stories or, or his books, it's been, you know, the particularly when you read the Raylan Givings series, you've watched the show Justified, that's Raylan. Um, he'll pick some criminal up for a, a, a true thing, you know, and um, he's kind of dismissive about this guy's background or information. The guy keeps popping up in situations where he shouldn't be. And after about the third time, it's like, wait a minute. Why is this guy here? <laughs> um, and he's done that with several. And, and even though you recognize the device, the either the character he draws is so compelling or the situations that this character is in are so improbable or outrageous that it draws you in. It pulls you into that story. It's like... I don't care who the bad guy is. I want to find out what's going on with this dude.
0: So, and and is that dude, that dude's never the bad guy? He's just like a...
1: Well, it depends. In a couple of stories, he's the key to finding the bad guy. You just don't find that out until you get into it. But but he doesn't... In a couple of other stories, he really has nothing to do with the main story. But his story, as it unfolds, is interesting in and of itself. Interesting. Hmm. So it's kind of a subplot that's kind of cruising along and pops up every now and again you know as you're chasing down the real bad guy and then in the end you find out oh that really was a significant story we just didn't recognize it until the very end
0: interesting okay
1: and th- those are the kind of kind of twists that i really enjoy in certain authors so you know there's always the big twist ending but every once in a while that twist isn't really solving the Basic whodunit, or isn't really the main story. It's a little side plot that gets resolved at the end. And it's like, oh, wow, that was cool.
0: Okay. All right. I have not read, I don't think I've read any Elmore Leonard.
1: Story. Oh, I, I would I would pick up Fire in the Hole if you want to start somewhere.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Um, it's, you may not like him. You may not be your cup of tea. I wish I could write like that. I, I will read a paragraph from his and go,
0: how did you do that? I feel that way about Becky Chambers.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. fair, fair. Yeah. You you read some things and it's like, you know, I don't even really care what you're talking about. The way you put those words together is so amazing. I wish I could figure out where that came from.
0: And the yeah, and the the amazing thing about her is that there's nothing flowery about it. She's <laughs> it's just it's it's just solid writing. It's but it there's something about it that's really. I want to write like Becky Chambers, you know, kind of thing. You know, when you're I, I, I think her.
1: for me it's when an author can take a complex character or a complex situation and in just a very few words lay it all out. And yeah. It's like, oh, man, I know exactly what you're saying, and I wish I could say it that way. Yeah. So next question, how do you write suspense?
0: Well, one of the things that you said um, is uh, – very meaningful to that keeping that suspense going and that's popping that little glint that pops up along the way uh there's um there's a blog post uh, or an article by uh, by jenny nash where she talks about the golden thread and she talks about it in uh regards to the plot and how the plot is this golden thread that should you know but but you actually can apply that to a lot of things. In your writing, your subplots, your character arc, they should all be these little golden threads, these woven together threads, where you see a hint of that color popping up throughout. Um, So with character, of course, you're going to see much more of that. But uh, with the subplots, you might see just a hint here and there with suspense. You might answer the question and then ask another question. And so you're pulling another thread along uh, to get the reader to keep moving forward. And usually you tie those together in this nice little thread of question, answer, question, answer. So each answer should raise another question.
1: Right? I, I think a lot of people think of suspense as that sense of dread, which that I, I think we get that from tv because you can sustain that for you know a 60 minute which is actually what 47 and a half minutes or something episode i've never been able to i've I've rarely found a book that sustains that all the way through
0: yeah i um i mean i'm trying
1: to think of any that that aren't more like you think you know what the situation is and then you get to the point where you've oh this is the solution oh wait a minute that's not it that's a different kind of suspense than that constant sense of dread right. that something well, is hanging over you.
0: I think Stephen King does the it's hanging over you, it's it's growing, it's getting worse, it's getting worse kind of uh, dread that you're talking about. To me, that's not the same as – for me, that's not the same as – I'm. people are going to hate me for this. I don't like Stephen King's books because I feel like I've got this – my gut is starting to get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. I feel like I'm going up the world's tallest roller coaster for almost 90% of the book. And then the last 10% is that drop at the end. And that doesn't do anything for me.
1: So. I, I agree. I, I'm not a big King fan. What I do like is both Stephen. I'll tell you who Stephen King does it well. is just to take the mundane, the everyday and imbue it with that. Sense of Dread. Yes. I, I think who did that better than anyone was Ray Bradbury.
0: I love Bradbury.
1: Well, everybody I'm loves Bradbury. Brad- but if Bradbury you think thing. about a lot of Bradbury's short stories, mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite Bradbury books of all times is Something Wicked This Way Comes, mm-hmm. where he takes just these absolute mundane, ordinary things, and all of a sudden they're imbued with this Importance
0: mhm mhm and and creepiness yeah, creepiness, creepiness,
1: but it's but 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 each of those little creepy things isn't creepy just for its own sake, it's right. all part of this bigger building plot um, i I can't think of too many authors who do that as well. a lot of crime writers will have suspenseful books, but it's mostly the following the clues or chasing one bad guy to get to the next bad guy to get to the next bad guy before you get to the big bad guy well, I and
0: think in its barest bones i mean suspense in in writing for me is not knowing what's going to happen next it's right. it's that oh and, i i want to know what's going to happen next and
1: conversely once you figure it out if you're you know halfway through the book and you know how this is going to end up it's kind of not fun anymore depending on the
0: book yeah i mean some the ending should be inevitable yet surprising to some extent right. yes um but you know and and that's why i quit reading the old mysteries when i was a teenager i was reading like agatha christie yeah, yeah. you know all of those um and i got to a point where i could figure it out like before I was halfway done with the book, I was like, oh, I know who done it, right? And it got boring. Right. So to to your point, yeah, I didn't want to read those anymore. But yeah, I, I you know, I mean, fantasy, you don't always know where you're headed, right? And and that's one of the things that I really like about it. I like, so one of the reasons that I like, now with your um, Profit series, for right. example, is, is that, there's so many people doing so many things that you're not sure who's doing what, that's on the, you know, or where they're going to end up. And, and I, I enjoyed that about those books. Uh, I like the characters,
1: of course, too. But I mean, I that's for thing. I didn't like me, my characters because they're, frankly, very ambiguous characters.
0: But the thing is, for me, characters are the vehicle that we get to enjoy a story through. So I have to like the characters to To some extent, or I have to. I actually like have to like the characters, or I can't read the book. Uh, and they have to be doing things that are interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't necessarily have to like them, but I don't have much patience for people repeatedly doing stupid things. Yeah, I do. Unless have there's a good reason for them to be doing stupid things, or
0: or characters who don't learn after the first couple of stupid things. It's like. Oh yeah, you're gonna do another stupid thing. Yeah, I right. I don't have a lot of patience for that either. Um, that's
1: that's been my stumbling block with I don't know some some fantasy, for instance, because a lot of it is predicated on people doing stupid things. Don't go in there. What the
0: <laughs> heck are you going in there for?
1: <laughs> don't go in
0: there. Weird. Don't hide behind the chainsaws.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um. <laughs> Uh, An example of good suspense. I think we've already sort of talked about that. Mm-hmm. I think um, I keep coming back to to favorite authors who who I thought did that well. Bradbury, for instance, and and especially in some of his his short stories, where it's like, oh my goodness, where are you going with this?
0: Yeah, I I, I agree. You know, like the is it is it the Martian Chronicles? The yeah. the, the nursery.
1: Yes. No no that well that's not that's in I or mean medicine it, for the melancholy. Okay. So yeah.
0: I it's hard to keep them all straight anymore but right. um yeah that one was I love that story. As I I had no idea where we were going right. with it. it or,
1: or, uh, I I don't even I can't even get into specific stories there are so many of them that turn on that twist of the bizarre in an ordinary circumstance maybe or that
0: was the tattooed man i don't think
1: it was the illustrated, those, man? Maybe. Illustrated, man. Yeah, yeah. illustrated man illustrated man yeah anyway <clears throat> um kind of classic authors who i've always loved doing that um raymond chandler um i'm i'm a huge fan i know his language is kind of purple <laughs> it's written in a different time um But some of his his turns of phrase are, I think, positively poetic in a kind of guttural way. (laughs) Yeah. But but what he does do well is this constant sense of surprise. You know, his point of view is this world-weary detective who's never surprised at anything, and you manage to surprise him.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Usually
1: with some new level of depravity, but... (laughs)
0: Uh okay so um I don't know that's about all I have for this week um, Bruce you, you got anything else uh, you want to talk about before we um sign specifically
1: up? no other than I'd be interested in what people are doing with some of our enforced downtime mm, good uh, are you writing are you stewing are, are you, you writing Uh <laughs> I don't have much downtime yeah. to be honest with you, Sharon. Oh, downtime.
0: I'm, What's downtime for you? That's true. You are. Um, pretty, if I'm if I'm down, stomach. I'm sleeping. Yeah,
1: <laughs> or drinking heavily. That's really? another thing I really thought
0: of. Never. Right before you sleep, I assume. No,
1: um, I am. <laughs> I actually am writing or attempting to write. Uh, that's another subject, but that's worthy of a whole podcast. Okay, so next is time how we're... does this kind of extraordinary circumstance infiltrate into your writing.
0: I think that's a good topic for next time, so we should uh, put a pin in that. And, um, you know, um, we want to make sure, we want you to make sure to be reading and leaving reviews. Check out the Brick Cave website. Visit bcbookclub.com. There I said it. And, uh, <laughs>
1: And please order a copy of Sharon's book, The Exile's Gift, the third book in the Healer's Trilogy, uh, where it all gets wrapped up. And you can
0: also order a copy of Gold Magic by Bruce Davis, the second book in the Magic Law Fantasy series. Good series, folks. Also from BrickCaveMedia.com. The Brick Cave Podcast is is copyright 2020, Brick Cave Media, LLC, all rights reserved. For more information on Brick Cave Media, visit the organization's website at brickcavemedia.com. The Brick Cave membership community is called the BC Book Club, and you can join at bcbookclub.com. Engineered, and any little editing to this podcast has been or will be or will ultimately be done by Bob Nelson. Thanks for listening.